0: Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. Today on Drawing Near, Paul concludes his letter to the Thessalonians. He does this with a benediction, a blessing. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and study the benediction. And as we prepare for today's study, let's pray together. And Father, as we come before you this morning, we ask, Father, that you would guide and direct our lives, that you would open our hearts and minds to your Spirit, to your Word, that we would see things today through your eyes, that we would respond to the circumstances, the relationships, Everything that goes on in our lives, Father, in a way that would honor and glorify you and reflect the love and light of Jesus Christ. Father, this is challenging for us. We are still trapped in these bodies that are tainted with sin, that are drawn away. But Father, help us to walk in the Spirit, not gratify the desires of the flesh. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to have your Bibles open as we read these verses. We're going to begin in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Paul writes, "Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it." This is a benediction. This is a blessing. There are some churches that every time they go to close a service, the pastor or the person closing the service will utter a benediction, sometimes from Scripture, sometimes a combination of various Scriptures applied to the body of Christ. I have never really done that. I close our services with prayer. In my prayer, I ask God to bless the congregation, but I've never been that liturgical. I've never been the kind of person who wanted to close the service out in this kind of formal way. I believe that as we pray for God's blessings— that God himself will bless his people. There's nothing wrong with a benediction, but there's nothing that is absolutely necessary about uttering a benediction either. It's very beautiful. It's very eloquent and poetic. And I guess maybe I'm just not that kind of pastor. So Paul utters a benediction to the Thessalonians at the end of this letter. He does that sometimes. He doesn't do that all the time. And in looking at this benediction, beginning in verse 23, it says, Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Paul is saying, may God, the God of peace, isn't that an interesting phrase? God is a God of peace. He's not a God of conflict. God desires peace and not turmoil in our hearts and lives. He desires peace between himself and his creation. He is the God of peace. And ultimately, even though there's a great tribulation coming and There's persecution and there's wars and rumors of wars and all of those things. Ultimately, God, through Jesus Christ, is going to bring about peace in his creation. That's the final end of all things that God is doing in Christ Jesus. So may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The word translated here, sanctify, is a word that could be translated or is translated sometimes, holy or make you holy It's the verb form of that. And so Paul is writing, may the God of peace make you holy, sanctify you. We are justified when we are saved. The moment we're saved, we're justified. At that moment, through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, God begins to sanctify us, to make us mature, holy, complete. He grows us in Jesus Christ. And then ultimately, when we get to heaven, we will be glorified with Jesus. So we're justified, then sanctified, and ultimately glorified. And so Paul is asking the God of peace himself to make the Thessalonian believers holy, to grow them and mature them, to continue the work of Christ until Christ returns. And he says, sanctify you completely. That should be our aim as well. We should desire complete sanctification. We should pursue spiritual growth to its ultimate conclusion. He goes on and says, And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are three parts to who we are. At least that's the way the Bible refers to it. We are body, spirit, soul, or body, mind, and spirit. Those terms are used interchangeably. The body is that physical, tangible, material part of who we are. It's the part that is laid to rest when we die. It's that which everybody sees. There's an argument among some philosophers about the spirit and the soul. The spirit seems to be that part of us that people cannot see, the internal part of us, that which is our mind, not the brain, but what the brain produces or what seems to come out of the brain. It's our our mental, our emotional inside. It's that part that many people believe go to be with the Lord the moment we're saved. In other words, the body goes to rest and the spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord. So what is the soul? Well, many people believe the soul is that spiritual part of us, not necessarily mind and emotion, but it's that part of us that is eternal. This is a little confusing, and it may not be very exact, but we do have that part of us which immediately goes to be with the Lord that identity that we have that is both visible and invisible. And so Paul says, all of you, that's the real key here, and may your whole being, spirit, soul, and body, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's important about this is God doesn't just want your soul or your spirit. God wants your entire being preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to save all of you, all of me. And that's important to recognize. There are those who believe that if their spirit's good or if their soul's good, their body can do whatever and it not really taint the situation. They can say what they want and do what they want. But the Bible clearly teaches that that's not the case. God desires to save, to cleanse, to redeem, to eternally bless spirit, soul, and body, or body, mind, and spirit. And Paul is praying that these, that the whole being, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In another letter he says, that which Christ begins in you, may he complete. Jesus Christ saves us, and Jesus Christ keeps us. We do not keep ourselves, we do not save ourselves. God keeps us. And that's what Paul is saying here in this blessing. He's saying, May you, the whole of you, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you don't fall away. You're not lost. And that's important for us to understand. Then in verse 24, he says, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. The one who calls us, the one who saves us, predestines us, foreknows us, the one who saves us is faithful we aren't always faithful, but God is. God is always faithful to us. And in the salvation he provides for us through Jesus Christ, through the guarantee of the indwelling Holy Spirit, he who calls you is faithful. And Paul says, as he utters this blessing, who also will do it. God will do this. God will do his part. God will do his work in sanctifying you completely, in preserving you blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is faithful. He will also do it. And then he says in verse 25, brethren, pray for us. I probably don't need to emphasize the need for us to pray for one another, but Paul is saying pray for us as missionaries. Pray for us as apostles, those sent out into the world. They were experiencing persecution and turmoil and hardship, sometimes blessing and favor. God was using them to spread the gospel, but there was a cost. And he says, brethren, pray for us. As we labor among you and pray for you and try to teach you, pray for us. And that's a good reminder for all of us. Verse 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, there's a lot I could say about this but it's just greet one another with holy Christian affection. This is not a mandate that all the people in our churches should start kissing one another. We're dealing with an era of COVID. We're liable to run as many people out as we are to bring in if we start doing this kind of thing. I have lots of stories I could tell you about this, but I don't have time. If you see me and would like to know a few of these stories and there's a little time, feel free to ask me. But This is not a mandate. This is an encouragement to love one another and to greet one another affectionately, which needs to probably be emphasized, doesn't it? We're not supposed to just go to church with a bunch of people, walk in the door, be friendly and polite, sit down, go through the moat. We're supposed to be a body of believers. We're supposed to fellowship with one another, care for one another, pray for one another, edify one another, weep with one another, rejoice with one another. We're to be affectionate toward one another. We need to remember that. Then he says in verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Everybody in the church was to receive this, and maybe all of those on the outskirts or in the surrounding areas. This epistle was not just a letter to say, hi, how you do? This is an instructive letter. Paul's letters are instructive, and he wants as many people as possible Those saved people to hear this letter, to have this letter read to them. And then, verse 28 The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We need God's grace, not just God's grace, but the emphasis here is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is God also. His grace is shown to us not only in his desires and his affection and his blessing but in his sacrifice on the cross, in his service toward us, and we are enveloped in Jesus Christ. We are saved into Jesus Christ. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, isn't that a precious name, our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you think of him that way? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As you go through your day, as you go through the challenges, as you lay in a hospital bed or walk by the road or prepare your garden or as you do your dishes or go to work or work in the garage or whatever you do, as you seek to live the grace and mercy and love of Jesus Christ, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul can't be with the Thessalonians. He'd like to be, but he can't be everywhere at the same time. And so he utters this blessing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May God provide for you in every aspect of your life. Amen. Beautiful letter. There's a lot in it. We can't be done with it. We need to review and reread and think on these things if we are actually going to benefit as much as we can from the writing of this letter. Father in heaven, thank you for this letter. Thank you for the time that we've had to read it and talk about it. We've not gone very deep into it. That's not our intention in this study. But, Father, I have been touched and reminded and moved by it, and I pray that others have been as well. And I ask, Father, that you would guide and direct us throughout this day, that we would live out your grace, that we would experience your sanctification, that we would know your peace, that as we see brothers and sisters in Christ, we may greet them and think of them fondly and affectionately. Help us, Father, to walk in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us.